Hello, how are you doing? It's time for another IWF Diamond League podcast. My name's Alex Seftel, and on this week's show, we have an interview with the Olympic silver and world bronze medalist from the last couple of years. It's 29-year-old steeplechaser Evan Jager from the United States of America, who talks about his love of cars, his cute relationship with his dad. He completely gets everything that I'm going through in the sport. Like He knows exactly how I'm feeling Like after a race, before we even talk. You can just read from the way that my body's moving, like my body language. He initially ran the 5,000 meters until was persuaded that the steeplechase seemed like the best route to go down. In fact, before all that, he grew up playing soccer, football, association football. Another thing about Evan Jager is that he's won the USA Outdoor Track and Field Championships seven times in a row, all the way from 2012 to this year, in fact, which is pretty impressive. And uh, I think you're going to like this guy. He's been talking to Pete Matthews. It's a pretty decent story that I've told a couple of times. Uh, I grew up playing soccer, loved just running up and down the field, and like always felt like I was faster than other kids and never got tired. So kind of just had that natural love for just running and running fast. And I remember, I think I was sixth grade, so I don't know, like 10 years old or something like that. My dad took me out to this country dirt road and he's like, it's a, it's a half mile down to the next street and then half mile back. Like, how fast do you think you can run a mile? And I like shouted out some number and, and then I ran it and he timed me and uh, ran like a decent time for, for that age. And um, my dad was like, okay, so like, that was, that was pretty good. Um, if you like trained and ran for the next couple of years, how fast do you think you could run? And I was like, I think I could break five. And that was like a big number for me at, at that time. And he's like, all right, if you break five minutes in a mile, I'll buy you a, a Mustang, like a Ford 5.0 Mustang. And so that was like, I don't know, that was super cool for me at that age. And um, it was a cool muscle car. And I was like, all right, like that's my goal right now. So. Uh, starting out, that was what I thought about, and I ended up breaking five or running a five-minute mile when I was in eighth grade, so like 12 years old, maybe something like that. Yeah, that was like a really cool thing for me at that point in my my running career, and I uh, still have it at my parents' house. It's a 1989 white Ford Mustang, 5.0 liter engine. Um, it's just big and loud and powerful and it's manual so that was that was like how I learned to drive was uh, this big powerful muscle car (laughs) it's a lot of fun to drive for sure it goes pretty quick and you can get off the line pretty quick so Uh, and I ended up yeah I, I ran five minutes when I was like 12 and I think it was the next year we like had found the car bought it uh and so like I had a I had a car when I was 13, 14 years old, and I still had to wait two more years to be able to drive. So, uh, yeah, I was probably the first kid in my in my my class to have a car for sure. My dad loves working on cars, so if like anything needs work on it, he'll tell me, and I'll send him some money, and he'll like fix it up. But uh, yeah, that's one of my like um, that's one of my dreams to like be able to come back home for like 
a couple weeks in the summer, put some real money into the car, fix it up, and just keep it running smooth. And uh, being able to work on the car with my dad would be it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, right now, I drive a 2011 Subaru WRX, uh, so another sporty little car, uh, all-wheel drive. Like it's a way different drive than the Mustang because Mustangs like powerful rear wheel drive any sort of like turn in the rain the back end will just kick out and it's like kind of crazy and the wrx is like it's all wheel drive so it's got super good handling and you can take turns pretty quick so it's it's very different but two sporty cars for sure when i was a kid i i always loved corvettes and um so like uh like a 1970s uh like stingray t-top corvette would have like would have been my favorite um growing up and i uh, just love the body of the car muscle it's it's muscle car it's american and uh uh even the new like z06 corvettes are pretty sick so um i don't know i've i've got a lot of cars that i really like but uh I think I'm too tall, too big to to really have one of those cars be like my day-to-day car. I, I, I'd probably have like back problems and just be uncomfortable. So, uh, I don't Something know. Something post-athletics maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe for like a little toy, a little weekend car. So, moving back towards the, the track then, um, you said sub five at what, 12, 13 years of age, kind of what happened next on your journey? Did the soccer get shelled and you started to take running seriously? Yeah, pretty much. I uh, stopped playing soccer eighth grade, so a couple of years later, and then um, just really started focusing on running because uh, I was pretty good at soccer, but my dad was like, you're good at soccer, but I think you could be great at running. And, and I, I loved running. I loved the just going out for a run, feeling free, like pushing myself as hard as I could, uh, seeing how fast I can run. Um, There's just something that like I just fell in love with right away. And uh, so I went to high school and started getting a little bit more serious, learning a little bit more about the sport, a little more about training and obviously working harder every year and um, just seeing the improvement uh, go along with the harder work was something that was very satisfying to me and um yeah I just kept falling more and more in love with the sport and um yeah I got good enough to be recruited by a couple of universities in the states and earn a scholarship to compete in track and field in college and each year I got stronger got a little better and was able to train a little bit harder and continued falling in love with the sport it's it's interesting you go from august september being like the absolute fittest you you can be i'm usually pretty light uh i like you almost feel effortless on the track when you're doing workouts and then um last last race of the year you like take a week or two off and don't really train for really train for a month or two and it completely goes away. It's it's crazy how fast it goes away. And uh, starting training up again in the fall is like it's obviously it's it's really hard again. And just seeing how how much 
the body can change in that short of a time and then how long it takes to get back to that same fitness is um it really makes you appreciate the work it's like all on you 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 work hard and you get that fitness you obviously had the talent as well you went to world juniors is that right yeah just before you went to university just tell us a bit about that experience yeah that was that was cool it was actually um at the end of my first year of university Uh, so i was still young enough to go um, and I ran the 1500 um, pretty much that entire year. Uh, had run pretty well, decently well at NCAA's, and then um, I won the junior uh, trials. And then, yeah, I went to Poland and um, made it to the final. And uh, that was like a whole new, um, whole new experience for me. Um, it was a very tactical final. Uh, and obviously everyone's fit there pretty much in the same kind of fitness level and uh, I just remember being a little flustered not really liking being boxed in in a in a pack and uh, just waiting for everyone to go and I remember I got tripped up with just under a lap to go like almost fell down and like that kind of woke me up and I just <laughs> I, without really thinking I just started sprinting trying to catch up to the guys that had put some ground on me and yeah I ended up just using everything I had in that first 200 meters and died a slow and painful death the last 200 meters got passed by a bunch of guys but it was it was a very cool experience um from the competition side of things uh just seeing where other guys were in the world I was the best freshman at NCAAs that year and you get woken up a little bit competing against guys that are your age but put like three or four seconds on you in the last 200 meters so it opened up that was my first true international competition and yeah it woke me up and showed me what I needed to do to get to the next level and that was definitely the first step in my like professional running career. Off the track those world juniors mm-hmm. that was quite defining for your life as well wasn't it yeah for sure obviously there's a bunch of countries like all competing at, at worlds and um in our hotel we happened we had all of team usa uh team sweden uh team jamaica and i think poland maybe maybe one other country me and my roommate ended up just being right down the hall from a couple of uh, Swedish girls and saw them one day and started talking with them and uh, I don't know something like a couple of them like just like the accents and being a different from a different country was just really cool and uh, I thought one girl was was pretty cute and we started talking a little bit hung out with them like over the course of that whole week that we were there and uh kind of had like a little fling with with one of the girls from Sweden and um fast forward 4 years later uh met up with her again her name is Sofia um I was racing in Stockholm and uh we had kept in touch a little bit and I was like hey I'm going to be racing in Stockholm like I know you're from Sweden like <laughs> do you live anywhere near Stockholm like would you be able to meet up? And she's like, yeah, like I actually live right in Stockholm. So we met up uh, for coffee and um, 
yeah, just kind of hit it off again. And uh, I think we were both like not really expecting anything from that. And we both kind of um, just realized how much we really liked each other and continued talking and started dating about a year later. And now we're married. And so um, it's definitely a really, it's a really cool story. Uh, it's, it's crazy how like a, a moment like that can like completely change your life. And uh, yeah, I take away much more from Poland meeting Sofia than I did like competing at World Juniors. Um, it's, it's pretty much an afterthought for me right now. It's like, yeah, thinking about uh, being in Poland for that week, I definitely think about meeting Sofia for the first time and um, how I felt about her there and hanging out over the course of the week. It was, yeah, very special. Post-World Juniors, you made a, a change which almost like you think of float back <clears throat> and the equivalent. It was pretty big news there. You decided to end your collegiate career and follow Jerry and mm -hmm. go pro. Kind mm -hmm. of just talk to us a bit about how that decision came about. It was a really tough decision for me, uh, especially being so young and feeling like there was kind of a lot on the line, um, hanging on the decision whether I made it one way or another. Kind of came about after uh, NCAAs, uh, Jerry sat the Wisconsin team down. He's like, hey, I'm gonna be leaving the university this summer to coach a group of guys professionally out in Portland for Nike. Pretty short conversation and I just remember thinking at the time, I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? Am I going to transfer? Am I going to stay at Wisconsin? Who's going to be the coach? So a lot of things are going through my mind. And then about a week later, like at a workout where I was just working out by myself, he like took me aside and he's like, hey, would you want to come out to Portland with me and run professionally? And I was like, I can do that? Like, <laughs> is that a possibility? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, absolutely. And um, yeah, my first instinct was I've wanted to run professionally since I started running I would love that and then I kind of had to think about one leaving the the team like leaving my friends at Wisconsin foregoing collegiate eligibility which was kind of the biggest decision going pro and then not having the opportunity to come back and run in college uh, if things didn't work out so that was a big decision and then also whether or not I was going to be able to handle competing as a professional, training as a professional. So there was a lot of things going on, but in the end, um, after talking with Jerry a bunch, we both kind of felt like being able to train as a professional four years earlier than what I would be able to if I just waited to graduate was going to be better for my long development running. By the time I was 22, 23, I would already be used to competing as a professional and I would know what to expect a little bit. So, um, yeah, ended up obviously making the decision to move out to Portland and, um, I don't know repercussions at all. The one thing that like I probably missed the most was just being able to compete at NCAA cross once. Um, but it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It, I just, would have liked to have known how I would have been able to, to race there, but I would make the decision a hundred times out of a hundred to do the same thing again and, and go pro. Thankfully it, it worked out really well for me. Um, I had a great 
group of older guys kind of mold me into a the professional runner that I am and they obviously helped me out a ton in my development those first three four years so very thankful to have like the supporting cast that I that I have had um, since I left Wisconsin at that point you were still a 15 guy yeah well yeah I quickly moved up to the 5k I was 15 my first year at Wisconsin and then as soon as I moved out to Portland we started doing a lot more mileage, a lot harder workouts, obviously, being a professional, um, living the lifestyle. I immediately started seeing uh, improvement and just kind of naturally fell into the 5K, um, just seeing that that was my, my best event at the time. Ran 5,000 meters my first year pro and made the world championship team. Uh, ran in Berlin in 2009 and... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it was a successful first year. So when did the, the steeplechase first come onto the radar then? I wasn't until, I think, sometime in 2011. It might have been sometime earlier in the track season. I was coming back from having surgery the previous year, summer of 2010. Yeah, 2011, it was just a, a major struggle year for me, uh, coming back from the injury and taking so much time off for the surgery we were trying to get through the season and get in as much hard work and racing as I possibly could, but we were kind of already starting to look forward to the next year being 2012 an Olympic year and trying to figure out what was going to be the best move for me. The steeple was in the back of the minds of Jerry, Pascal and myself. And I think at some point Jerry was just, he just said, Hey, like, what do you think about like possibly running the steeple next year? And I always thought that I was I would be pretty good at the steeple, um, just because it seemed like it it fit my strengths and um, my athleticism. And yeah, that sounds like fun. And uh, I was still having some foot issues from the surgery, but um, after the track season, uh, started running up again in the fall and. Um, that was when I finally felt like fully recovered from the injury and we started up some just like easy steeple drills that fall my body was able to handle it I felt good doing the hurdling and kind of just kept going more and more and more uh, with this steeple specific training the more I did the better I felt and the more confidence I got decided to race for the first time and that went really well and it just kept getting better and better and better and pretty much after the the first race that I did where we're like okay we're for sure doing the steeple this year the times have dropped medals have come just reflecting on the last few years yeah what are the key moments that you, you pick up I, I think the first one would be Paris that was I, I had done pretty well the previous few years uh, I was six at the Olympics my first year steepling and so I was like okay like like I'm pretty good at the steeple like definitely going to stick with it and then just kind of hoped for continued improvement as the years went on and I learned the event a little bit better Uh, I was fifth in 2013 so a little bit of progress there and then ran well in 2014 and 2015 came along and 2015 that was the first year where I feel like I I really really made the jump to being one of the top guys in the steeple as opposed to like being fit, being good enough to like possibly medal, 
um, if I had a really good day and someone had an off day to 2015, I felt like, okay, I, I should medal for sure. And yeah, Paris was that like defining moment for me, I, I would say. Had a ton of confidence. I almost broke eight aside from falling over the last barrier. Even with the fall and running eight flat, was able to take a step back from that and realize, okay, like I'm here now competitive like I can win pretty much any race that I get into not saying I will but I I think I can and yeah that was a huge moment for me and then negative with the fall but it was very positive at the same time like kind of just opening my eyes up to what was possible and then fast forward a month or so later to the world championships in Beijing and I had kind of put all this pressure on myself coming off of Paris thinking, well, I almost ran like 756, 757. I, I should be able to medal. Like I should definitely medal and I might be able to win. I think I just put too much pressure on myself. Yeah, wasted a lot of mental and emotional energy before the last lap and just got absolutely dusted the last lap and finished sixth. And so that was, that was another moment where it was a, a bit of a, a learning experience, um, kind of just learning how to like control my emotions and my mental state going into a big race like that and disheartening for sure. And I was pretty upset after the race, kind of walked away using that as like a, a learning experience for sure. The next one would for sure be 2016. I ran and trained pretty much pissed off like the entire year coming off of Beijing obviously super motivated um, finishing the season the way that it did and trained the whole year with the sole focus of like not caring about any races other than the Olympics and the Olympic trials yeah I want, just wanted to medal so bad like I was trying to force it to happen I was like I'm going to train hard enough to where like doesn't matter what kind of race there is I'm I know I'm going to medal so I trained that way the whole year, and then like two weeks before the Olympics, after making the team, my coach Pascal sat me down and he's like, okay, like, I know you really want to medal, like, obviously not medaling last year was a huge disappointment for you, but I think the best way for you to run your best in the Olympics is to like completely forget about the medal. Just run, run in a way that's going to allow you to finish your best and if you can just concentrate on running your best race instead of stressing about the medal I think it's going to help you out so two weeks before I I was like had this moment with myself I remember like having that conversation with Pascal and then kind of sitting myself down alone and telling myself okay like let go of the medal who cares like run your best race if you run your best race and three guys happen to beat you you just have to be okay with that and that was the freest I've ever been since I turned pro I just felt like weightless like I had nothing kind of weighing me down I was just able to be relaxed and just be happy and be excited about the race but not stress about it and get to the Olympics and I was able to carry that into the race I remember just being so loose and relaxed like even on the starting line I was just like I was confident but um I knew what I had to do and 
I, w I didn't even care about getting a medal and that was like probably the best race I've ever had and the best I've ever felt in like that fast of a race and yeah I just felt totally relaxed and weightless and probably my best race so it was it was incredible obviously like when you start running you think I, I want to make the Olympics uh, in my career and that's a big goal and then like as soon as you start thinking about making the Olympics, you th you're like, oh, meddling at the Olympics would be insane. And so obviously it was a lifelong, uh, not a lifelong, but like a really long-term goal of mine pretty much when I started running seriously to medal and uh, to like check off just one of the biggest boxes you can check off and on top of that, redeem yourself for the year before uh, it just kind of, it was, yeah, it was an incredible moment. Um, just pure joy, uh, happiness. Uh, and then my family was there being able to do the victory lap around the track and find my family and share that moment with them was, uh, it was incredible. Your family seemed to follow you around a lot. It seems like your dad's had quite an influence on your career. Mm -hmm. You talked about him at various points is that yeah. The case? yeah for sure we didn't know anything about running before I started running like I didn't even really know it was a sport until getting to middle school and seeing that they had a cross-country team like I grew up playing soccer and so my parents didn't know anything about like the real sport of track and field and obviously it's in the Olympics and everything but um no first-hand knowledge and so as I started getting more and more serious about track my parents and I obviously learned more about the sport and uh, in high school when I started getting pretty good my dad like he just fully dove into the to the sport it was so cool like he started like kind of following the message boards and like learning about other kids throughout the country and um, the more I fell in love with the sport I think the more he fell in love with the sport and he's he's probably a bigger fan of the sport than I am right now he he geeks out so hard when we go to these big meets and uh, we go to like U.S. Nationals and he gets to meet all the other athletes uh, in all the different events I remember I think it was the Olympic trials one year either 2012 or I think it was 2012 he happened to run into Ashton Eaton in the stands like on one of his off days and my dad's like oh my gosh, Ashton, I just have to introduce myself. Like, I, I just have to meet you. And Ashton is, like, he's, like, one of the nicest guys. He's incredible. And he, like, talks to my dad for a little bit. And he's like, oh, so nice to meet you. And my dad's like, yeah, like, I don't know if you know, like, my son's Evan Jager. He's like, oh, yeah, I know Evan. And so they just had this, like, really cool interaction. And, yeah, it's just, like, how it's been for the last, like, seven, eight years. My dad is just... He, yeah, he's learned so much about the sport, and um, it's like something we can talk about all the time. Anything comes up in in the track world, like we can talk about it, and uh, it's it's nice being able to like just have that that bond in the sport together. And I feel like he he completely gets everything that I'm going through in the sport, like. He knows exactly how I'm feeling, like, after a race, before we even talk. Like, you can just read from 
the way that my body's moving, like my body language, he knows exactly how I'm feeling. Like, even if I have like a good race, but I probably don't reach the, uh, my own expectations, he'll like completely understand that. And he'll be like, Hey, that was a great race, but I'm sure you're a little disappointed. And he like, just knows exactly how I'm feeling. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I've, I love that we can talk about track the way that we do and uh, he understands exactly how I'm feeling. So there's been a lot of moments throughout this chat. Is there any one that stands out for you and you say that is the defining moment that's kind of got me to where I am today? Yeah, I, I think um, that conversation that I had with Pascal was there was the moment that allowed me to fully tap into the, the fitness that I had reached take it forward and allow me to like race to my truest potential the sport is more than just physical going out and and running as hard as you can um there's a big mental game to every event and learning that and learning how to kind of deal with your emotions and your mental state especially before the biggest races i think is almost as important as the training that you do throughout the entire year uh, to prepare yourself for that moment. And finally, I can't end this interview without mentioning the hair. <laughs> it's got its own uh, social media account yeah. has it, and all that stuff. Where, where did it first come from, this whole Evan Yeager's hair? I don't know. I just kind of always had long hair as a kid. In elementary school, I had like the bowl cut uh, where it's just like long, but like just a straight line cut across. and. Um, I, yeah, I had that for a while, and then there was a couple years where I, like, I buzzed it pretty short, and I just, like, remember looking really weird, <laughs> like, looking back, I was, like, just, yeah, that looks weird, and, um, I don't know, I kind of always just reverted back to having long hair, and, uh, just kind of in high school became a part of my identity, I think partially because of running, and, partially just because I just like having long hair and uh yeah I've had quote-unquote long hair since my junior year of high school and I haven't haven't cut it since so I think part of it is like that's how people know me and can recognize me like from running and I like the look and uh it just suits me I think uh and I'm sure I'll have to cut it at some point but uh my wife likes it so as long as she keeps liking it long, I'm just going to keep it. Evan Jager, the North American steeplechase record holder there, speaking to Pete Matthews. That was a cute story about uh, how he met his wife 10 years ago in Bydgosz in Poland at the World Junior Championships, where he finished 8th in the 1500 metres. He's gone on to achieve a lot since then, hasn't he? Nice to hear from him, and plenty more episodes like that if you've missed out on them Go and catch up on our SoundCloud or iTunes page. As well as that, of course, there's the YouTube channel of the IWF Diamond League and social media to uh, get your fix while we have the break with one more meet in Birmingham on the 18th of August and then the two finals in Zurich and Brussels to follow. It's all going to heat up very soon. I hope you're enjoying the European Championships at the moment, but uh, the Diamond League... We'll be back soon and it will reach an exciting climax. Stay tuned.